Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Annie and I are heading to the mailbag. Know that this was a really fun episode for us to record. I'm not super confident that Annie was bought into this question when we started, but by the end, I think we landed on the same page and we were in alignment, as we say, about how to tackle gossiping, negativity, negative talk, and the need for decompression in our practices. Let's get into this one. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. Let's give them something to talk about, Goss. (laughs) Aren't you going to sing it for me? (laughs) Let's give them something to talk about, Goss. (laughs) Uh, I love man. it so much. No, oh, very man. nice. How's cool. it going? It's uh, it's crazy. It's it is crazy. Spring is spring in here. I know it's not where you are, but it, um, it is not. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I got tulips coming story. up. I it's Friday. I got a dump truck load of mulch dumped in my driveway, and I am psyched about it. I am going to spend the week, the weekend, just wheelbarrowing mulch around. When we get done with this, I got one more meeting to do, and then I'm going to pump up the tire on my wheelbarrow for maximum mulch efficiency. <laughs> I got pitchforks. I got some of the mm. vet assistants at uh, Travelers Dressed Animal Hospital were like, uh, I told them, I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm shoveling mulch. I really wish I could find some guys that would, uh, guys, people, home. not gendered, uh, of course. <laughs> I wish I could find some strong backs to come, to come and, and help me. And Brian just looks at me and then he goes, is this like a goodness of our heart thing? <laughs> and I was like, I'll, I'll buy you Subway sandwiches. And he was like, no. <laughs> oh, that's really, really funny. <laughs> I'm going to try to tempt, tempt him and David. Uh, I'm going to send him pictures of the mulch pile. And then me, like, I think I, I think I may, I'm either going to have to pony up some cash and be like, you guys can come in. Or I'm going to text them a picture of me holding my back and, and looking really, like, old and broken. Like, I, I don't know how I'll finish this job oh, and see if gosh. I can play. I don't think it's going to work, though. They, uh, they're rather, they're dead inside. They're, 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 You're they're so tenured. ridiculous. Wait, wait, that wait, assistance, wait. they are they are dead inside. <laughs> I highly doubt that they are dead inside. Um, <laughs> but don't you have uh, two kids that you can put to work? Like, what's up with not using the readily available the child girls? labor at the Rourke House? Yeah. No, well, I've got I've got one of them. Uh, Jacqueline is has already said she was like she's so smart. She was like, I'll be there, Dad. And I was like, that's great. You were going to be there anyway, but the fact that you step up and said it before I told you it was going to happen, like, good politicking there, kiddo. You know what I mean? Like, she read the room, she saw where this was going, and she was like, I'm going to volunteer and take credit for volunteering. And like, bam, daddy's girl. That's funny. Hannah, meanwhile... Hannah, meanwhile, is home from school sick. Like, she's laid out on the couch, and I'm like, you know, you just stay. You just stay on the couch. Uh, you just keep your germs away from the rest. Totally, of us. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. That's my house. That's my house too. Uh, Riley uh, called me yesterday afternoon, and she's at the at the gymnastics gym, and and she is like, she would live at the gym if I let her. And she she texts me at like three forty five, and she was just like, 
I have chills and my whole body hurts. She's like, can oh, you come no. get me? And I was like, oh, oh God. Uh, yeah, okay. I hate, uh, oh, I hate your... Oh, I know, man. and I, it just, she is like, she is tough and uh, she is just like, I feel crummy and I picked her up and I just took one look at her and I was like, oh, she does not feel good. And so oh, I, uh, I, I feel you. Oh, they're so pitiful too. Like, I oh, know. it just gets right at you. It makes me so sad. So she is, uh, she is here and she's really bummed because they had their, Um, it's, it's funny because my kids love their school like they actually ask to go to school on breaks like christmas vacation and a summer break like all of the kids not just mine but they they love their school and so today was a book report day and they've been working on these book reports for the last six weeks and so she was really bummed she didn't get to go and present her her book report so uh, but she's going to do it over their class Zoom. So she's oh, well, that's good. in her in her room. Like, I'm like, keep your germs in here, please. <laughs> but also <laughs> don't forget to get on your Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do wonder about my parenting. And like, I feel like I have a great relationship with my kids. And also when they're sick, I do not go near them. <laughs> I do not go near them. I'm like, and then like you guys are welcome to stay home from yeah. school. I'll be in the basement, uh, you know, working on stuff. <laughs> Except when that I'm is, going to the vet clinic, and you know, for the first half of the day, and then I'll be, then I'll be in the basement. But yeah, that's uh, that is their their dad's mo. He is definitely like not the not the sick um care caregiver. And when we were in, uh, so we're uh, recording this, and we had just I uh, got back from Western Vet Conference in Vegas, and I got a text while we were in Vegas uh, that Jackson uh, barfed in the middle of the night, one of the of nights course. we were gone, and I was like. Oh no, because their dad is not the like, yeah. and is, he especially doesn't do puking, and so <laughs> it was just like, I, you know, as a parent, I, the like all the thoughts that are going th- through my mind are, okay, I hope Jackson feels good, and I hope he's being like, you know, nurturing and not like keep your germs away from me, but also all the thoughts are going in my head like, did the laundry actually get started then, or is there going to be a pile of? <laughs> Like oh, yeah. vomit sheets waiting for me when I get home. That's what Allison says to me. She's like, you need to be nurturing. And I'm like, look, I, I, I'm just, it's time to look at cold, hard numbers dishes. here. It's like, we're past nurturing. We're down to survival. And it's me or them. And let's, and I let's do a cost me. benefit analysis here, Allison. What's the benefit of me hugging that child? Really? What it really, what's the cost of me going down for three days? You know? Like it's significant. Like you need to, (laughs) you need to harden your heart and make the. That's why I. That's why I run the business. And you're and in just, academia. Like, just in case anyone's uh, is is wondering, this this parenting style extends to his relationship with his employees too. Because, uh, <laughs> well, I will say that we we went to Vegas, and I did not try and kill you this year. Every time we go to Vegas now, Andy's like, "Okay, we made it through uh, a year, and you didn't try and kill me with COVID." <laughs> you are well. It's, you're just you're just like you're like you're like that snotty kid. <laughs> That just has sticky hands, and like whenever they're around, you're like that kid's carrying. Yeah, exactly right. You're like, don't just don't let that kid touch my food. That kid, if that kid touches my food, I'm gonna go hungry, and I don't go hungry. I'm like, hey Andy, let's take a selfie, and he's leaning. Oh, totally. I'm like, yeah, leaning away. Why don't you take a picture of you and I take a picture of me and and put them together? Photoshop them together. How's that? Oh man. Yeah, it's it's true. I like I I do have a coldly pragmatic streak. 
It's not that I don't care about you. It's just that I, you know, I don't feel the need to care about you while you're sick. Like there's 360 other days out of the year that I can care about you and you can have my love. Oh, um, God. All right. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this episode. All right. Um, I love this one. So we got, uh, we got a mailbag question that is, I think, fantastic. So I don't actually know uh, what their position is. I assume that it's someone in in practice management. But uh, the question said, we're, we're working on, we're constantly working on our practice culture and mm-hmm. areas of improvement for us. Um, and two of the big challenges that we have been tackling have been uh, gossiping and negative talk amongst the team, like talking negatively about their coworkers or uh, talking negatively about clients or patients. And so um, they said they recognize that the negativity and the negative talk kind of goes hand in hand with gossiping. And so we've talked about it as a team and we've set the expectation that those two things are not uh, going to be tolerated, which is great. The question comes from how do you balance the need to talk about something that happened to you or an interaction that you experienced that affected you. So like, how do you have something happen and talk about it while still following the expectation that you're not going to gossip and you're not going to talk negatively? How do you walk that thin line between needing decompression and commiseration versus it actually turning into gossip? Uh, This was a great question. I thought this is an interesting question. I thought this was interesting. I had to really okay. sit and roll this around. Okay. I, you know, I, I wonder, it feels to me, this feels to me like a position that my children put me in when they like get me to agree that something is true and they get me to agree that something else is true and they get me to agree that something else is true. And every step <laughs> is a little bit more of a stretch until ultimately they end up at a ridiculous position. They were like, and that's why I need to have a candy jar in the bathroom. Like, what? Like, you, you, How did you I agree the, to this? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You're like, what? Um, and so I, I, I do. I have that experience when people are like, but Andy, sometimes we need to talk about a bitch. And like, they'll... they'll we need to bleep that out. Um, but they'll say things to me that are that like off the wall. And I'm like, what did you say? And they're like, we have to say Sometimes bad things about these to. people. Yeah. Like we need to serve the tea. Sometimes you just have a doodle that's so bad that you just need to talk smack about doodles. Yeah, exactly. They're like, and like some people just need to be judged by us and i'm like i what i'm reserving all my judgment for you andy rourke <laughs> and i and again i i i could i could i'm interested in your thoughts on this too it's like when we need to have negative talk and and yeah. i i'm i am being honest when i say i struggle i'm struggling a little bit with this need to have negative talk and i do okay. wonder how much truth there is to it i think i understand what they're saying in all in all seriousness um, I think I understand what they're saying. Okay, but I just I, I need to I need to work through it a little bit. I I I wonder if there's not other ways to approach the situation that don't involve us having this negative talk, but still making sure everybody feels heard and supported. Okay, I I I'm I'm with you. I like it's funny because I read this and I immediately um 
was able to put myself in their shoes in a specific context. And so I'm curious, like I could be totally in the wrong context. Um, But I read it and I was like, oh, I know, I know those moments. And um, I, for me, there was a very clear definition on what it is and how it manifests. And so, um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so let's, let's start with some, with some sort of headspace here. So the first thing I, I just, I always have to throw out whenever we have like negative talk, we have gossip, we have things like that. I've always got to get in just headspace for me is just remember, remember, remember that you got to check your diagnostics here. Like make sure that you know what this problem is. And I just say that because a million times I have seen people wrestling with a gossip problem a negativity problem and the truth is they had a toxic team member problem they had a bully problem sure. they had you know some sort of a um engagement buy-in problem and the negative talk was coming out of frustration or mm-hmm. out of bad behaviors from some other problem and it's funny i have seen a lot a lot a lot a lot of practices say how do we fix the the gossip? How do we fix the gossip? We're talking to the team about the gossip. We're coming together about the gossip. We've got a workflow on the gossip. We had a vision session about what a practice without gossip looks like. And, and it's like, how did it end? Well, we fired Donna and it went away. Oh, okay. I got it. I see that. And, and so a lot of times really that's how it goes. Problem. You yeah, had totally. a Donna like, problem. Oh. Turns out it was just Donna. And I, I do see that. So, so in all seriousness, the first part of this is... is make sure you run your diagnostics root cause analysis where is this negativity coming from yes are we really having uh this many negative client interactions uh, like over the top client interactions that require negativity are you know are people is it all different people and everybody's responsible for this or are there chronic offenders that are driving it and who are not changing their behavior because they're not getting that feedback or just because they don't want to. Yes. And I so I think that what you uh, just put your finger on is this uh, and said when you said is this uh, chronic uh, chronic people or chronic behaviors that was a fundamental difference maker for me in the conversation. So my question when I read this was, OK, are we gossiping? Are we talking directly about another person to other people are we venting like a situation happened a thing occurred and this is where i could easily put myself in their shoes that like you know you have a client who comes in who is super rude or who is um really hurtful to a member of the team or to yourself it is human nature to want to let that out Um, because bottling up the frustration or the emotions is also not good. And so I recognize that. And the third piece of it for me is this, is this a one and done? Like I'm vent, I need to vent because I'm frustrated or I'm angry. I have emotions about this situation. Or is this complaining? Is this a constant chronic thing that is happening with one or two people? And so to your point, like, is this a Donna problem where Donna is having repeated behaviors that are complaining or gossiping or, um, or, other that is impacting it and so for me the headspace starts with like some self-reflection and analysis of the situation to try and figure out to your point like what is what is actually happening here 
and then be able to do the root cause analysis on the problem itself. There was a definition of a toxic person that I saw a long, uh, not long time ago, but a little while ago. I really liked it. And basically it was something along the lines of a toxic person is a person who participates in, in negative activities and has no interest in improving them. Like something along the okay. lines of if a person switches from just being a regular person who has a problem to a toxic person, a regular person who has a problem wants to fix that problem. Yes. A toxic person does not want to fix that problem. They yes. are happy to make the problem persist or even to grow, even to spread, to have more people involved with it. Like that's what a toxic person wants. They right. want to they want to light the fire and they don't want to put it out. They want it to grow and they want it to spread. And uh, and I, I've, I thought a bit about that as well. And so anyway, when we start thinking about, about these types of behaviors, I'm always going on just root cause analysis, Make sure we understand the diagnosis here. Where is this coming from? Um, make sure that we don't have a, a toxic individual or a small group of people who are just driving these behaviors. And if we do, we need to manage them, manage them, manage them, and possibly manage them out mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if, it, if it continues on. So anyway, that, that's kind of my, my, opening, my, opening place, my opening place here is, is that. So it sounds like, let's, let's take this letter at face value and say, hey, they work a lot on culture. We don't think it's a toxic person. We just continue to have this sort of negativity. And the question is really about what do you do about keeping a positive communication culture while still recognizing that sometimes we need to have an outlet for negative thoughts, emotions, frustrations, sure. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, I think that that's, I think that that's a okay, I think that's an okay question to ask and, and we'll sort of get into it. So I don't know, um, just in general headspace, seek first to understand where is this coming from? Am I understanding the problem that I think I'm understanding? And then, and then where do we, you know, and then where are we, where are we going to go from here is, is the next sort of question, question philosophically mm -hmm. that I like to talk about. I think it's important when you start to, to look at problems like this is what does done look like? You know, what does the end look like? So in a headspace, I go, okay, well, if we want to make our practice into a good, wholesome, positive practice, what does that look like when it's finished? You know, where does, where does that go? Does that mean that people don't say negative things? Or does it mean that they say them in a certain way? Uh, yeah. What is that way? And once we have that kind of figured out of what a healthy practice looks like, then we can put steps into place to get there. Yep. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that is a super, um, super, to me, has always been an indicator of a really healthy culture when the team understands what that looks like and what what done is because for me part of having a code of conduct that the team has agreed to and I'm assuming that you know no gossiping um or you know na no negative speech uh, that was talked about here is part of a code of conduct like everybody has to understand not only what does that mean like really, truly, what is the definition of that for us in the team? But also like to your point, what is done look like? What is not like what is the end? What is not tolerated? What is and and what is the expectation for how you handle the negative uh, interactions or the or the conflict when it arises or the frustration that happens? Uh, you know, how are we going to handle that? Yeah. So you said you had an idea in your mind of kind of what this looks like of having having some negativity that sort of needed to come out. Can you give me, can you give me more of a clear context of like what that looks like in your mind? Yeah, totally. So for, for me, the, the question was, okay, de decompression or, or 
and the commiseration gives me pause for sure because right. um those two things are very different needing to have an outlet get something out not bottling up the emotions and this is this is years of years of my own therapy coming out here so as humans, uh, it is far healthier, at least for me, it is far healthier to deal with emotions and get them out than to stuff them down and not deal with them, right? So a long time ago, I recognized that there are situations where I need an outlet and I need to express those emotions safely. And that can look a bunch of different ways. That to me is decompression, like let that letting off the steam. Mm-hmm. Commiseration to me falls into the line of Uh, negative talking gossiping because when you are to me commiserating means finding someone who is going to agree with you and participate in what you're doing that feels radically different than this thing happened and i'm insert whatever emotion here angry sad frustrated whatever i just need to get it off my chest right that feels very different to me gossiping to me feels like saying something about someone else when there are other people present that you are not saying straight to their face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think for me, I could totally see situations in the practice um, when a team member maybe has not interacted with me in the best way possible, or um, I was, I interpreted how they interacted with me in a way that, that frustrated me or triggered me in some way. And before I'm ready to have a conversation with them, I need to get out those emotions and process, right? That to me feels like the decompression uh, versus commiserating like, oh, hey, you know, oh God, I was just in room B with Mrs. Jones and she's so, you know, she's so snotty. She always comes in and treats us like we're, you know, her hired help. And don't you hate having to do appointments with her, right? That feels like commiserating where I'm looking for somebody else to get into that space with me and join me in that negativity um and then the gossiping would be like oh hey andy you know did you hey did you hear how drunk sarah was at the bar this weekend those kind of things uh where you're talking specifically about another person to another person do do those illustrations kind of help and you can imagine those things happening i think in a in a practice right absolutely yeah yeah definitely so so i think the thing for me um i don't I still struggle a little bit with with you know the idea that we that we have to do negativity, um, but 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 I'll I'll flesh it out a little bit. I guess this is maybe maybe this is the part I should put into headspace right right here at the front. Okay. Um, so to me, communication should be intentional. Professional communication should be intentional. Okay. Which means you should know what you are trying to accomplish. And when you co- look, seek commiseration, that's not intentional usually. What mm-hmm. that really is, that's code speak for I'm angry and I need to vent anger out into the world. Sure. And, and even when we talk about decompression, guys, the research is pretty clear. Venting, it does not help you. It really, you know, it, 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 helps, it helps you maybe feel more satisfied. But venting and putting negativity out in the world actually does not make you better able to handle problems. It just ends up sort of perpetuating negativity. And so you can look at, you know, happiness and satisfaction and outcomes after, you know, when we talk about venting and we say, 
this this sort of 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 spewing of negativity it genu- it genuinely does not make us more effective i i think so this is where i push into intentionality and so what i would say to people really when i start talking about headspace is negativity is communication should be intentional which means if you're angry and frustrated i think that you can say i'm really angry and frustrated about this thing and then we need to state our intention i'm I need help processing this or I'm seeking validation of the scenery or can you tell me if I'm off base? Yes. And guys, that's just an evolution of how we communicate. And I think a lot of times we get mad or we get angry and we open our mouth so we don't really know what we're trying to do. And I would say the evolution of these communication issues is to say, I'm before I vent I need to understand what am I trying to accomplish. And if I'm not trying to accomplish anything other than to hurt somebody or to take the anger or the pain that I feel and try to make someone else feel pain, that's not something that I want to actually do. And, I, and it's not it's not healthy as much as we want to think that it is. It's, it's just not. And so anyway, I think that that's, that's just the big thing for me as we start to look at this is the, the rollover here. And this is, and honestly, this is a big part of professional communication. As you move up into, into corporations and companies, this is, this is corporate training. We don't vent. You don't, you know, you don't make uh, angry statements. You speak intentionally. And I would tell you that if you stop and process it, you can generally be much more productive and also expressive of the problem that you're facing without negative talk. You can 100% say this client who came in earlier was really nasty and he said these things that I thought were very hurtful. And I, my question is, what do I do about this? You know, is there a way that I can escalate it? You know, uh, what what steps can I take? Am I supposed to shake this off? Has have other I'm feeling vulnerable? Have other people had these had these experiences? Those are the those are sort of the types of ways that I can talk about this thing in a way that I'm not client bashing. I'm being honest about this person came in and what they said was really it seemed to me to be very out of line, and um and I just I I'm looking for validation here. Have, have other has, has this person acted this way in the past and and anyway i i can still 100 percent turn and get support and also not just lean into the negativity on the issue does that do you agree with that i i do and i also and maybe this is just uh because i am i have a i have a temper <laughs> and i am by no means Perfect. When it comes to communicating. Um, And I will also say that there have been plenty of times where I have in the heat of the moment said things or done things that if I had stepped away and taken the time to get the clarity that you're talking about, it would have been way better off. Right. And also I'm human and we don't always do that. And so I think what you were talking about for for me has been a very healthy guardrail to to recognize that in order for processing emotions, um, because I used to there was a long period of in my life where I especially as a leader, I just stuffed it down and I didn't process Mm -hmm. and I would get mad or I'd get frustrated and I just wouldn't say anything and it would build up, build up, build up. And then I would explode. 
and Mm -hmm. going to therapy. I recognized how unhealthy that is and and how much I need to process things more in real time. And so for me, what that turned into was, okay, going in the direction that you're talking about, recognizing that there are going to be times where I trip up, like nobody is perfect. And having a system like you're talking about, having someone, and I think this is really, really important, especially from a leader perspective, having people um, who are the right people for you to be able to have that conversation and do that processing with is really, really important. Yes. And so it has, um, but but that isn't a natural, I don't think is a natural inclination. Our natural like human nature caveman brains, it is far easier to be like, oh, hey, Andy, did you like this happen? And I'm super irritated about it, right? Because you're right in front of me and it's easy to commiserate with you versus to take the time and intentionality to be like, I need to step away and I'm going to go outside of the building so nobody else can hear me. And I'm going to call someone who is not immediately involved in this situation, right? That takes takes intentionality. It takes self-awareness. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us um, have to have to learn how to do that. And so I'm all in with you on that being um, a healthy process. And it is certainly one that I have adopted now, but it took me a long time to get there. And I also think it's really important to recognize that like we're all human and no matter how oh, good we get at it, like you're going to screw it up and you're going to have oh. to. There are things like I immediately when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about times where I was like, oh, dude, like we have a straight up no gossip rule in, in my teams. And I really try really hard to adhere to it. And also I can think immediately of times where I broke that rule and and (laughs) and do I feel good about it? No. Um, And so, you know, but but how we deal with it and what we do also matters. And so I think creating that I think good on this team for working on trying to create the culture to change the expectation. I think having. Uh, having the expectation that this will never happen just because you have the rules and systems in place is unrealistic because we're people yeah. and there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be slip ups. I think having the expectation of what comes next is the really healthy part. And that's the part that I would love to see more teams get to. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I also think that you're right about being human. Like, like this is hard. This is a, it is a real challenge. And we all get it wrong. And I'm not going to be like, oh, no, I, I don't get mad. Of course, I, of course I do. Yeah. The, the hard professional truth, though, is that getting angry or getting nasty feels good. And it's generally self-damaging. Like, sure. Think about a time that you got angry or you got nasty and it turned out great. And that was the exact right move. Yeah, no. And it opened doors for you and good things happened. Like you might have a time. I assure you there's a lot of times you got angry, you got nasty and you did damage that you don't even remember sure. or know about. But other people oh, sure. remember it. I mean, it's just it's one of those things about being the better person, about being the leader is carrying this. There's the old saying, too. Uh, and this is kind of a kind of a Buddhist meditative thing is is between every action and a reaction there's a pause you know and I I was reading an article recently about this guy who had gone to anger management and he talked about anger management one of the big keys in anger in anger management was taking ownership of, of how he would communicate and being intentional and so he said that one of the big things that happened for them is he switched away of his thinking from thinking things like man that guy made me mad to that guy behaved in this way and I got mad. 
Mm-hmm. And that yes. gave him so much more ownership of like, oh, I got mad. He did this thing and I got mad. And it's yes. understandable that I would get mad, but getting mad was a choice that I made. And that can be extremely hard. Yes. But it is what I think that we should aspire to. For sure. For sure. Let's let's take a break and come back and get into some action steps and kind of how we start to lay these things out and set how we can set ourselves and our team up to be successful in this regard. Okay, sounds good. Hey friends, you have less than one week, six days, in fact, to head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and sign up for the workshop that is taking place next week on Wednesday, March 29th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. So 5.30 for my Pacific friends. Um, My dear friend, the amazing and wonderful veterinary technician turned colleague at Uncharted, Tyler Grogan, is going to be leading a workshop on turning clients into fans. Now, Tyler had this thought. um, She wanted to know what turns someone from a loyal customer and makes them a fan. She was thinking about sports teams and the rabidness of some of their fan bases. And she set out to answer the question of how do businesses do that? How do businesses create um, a space where their clients are raving fans the same way that sports teams are. And so she is going to share some of what she learned, talk about how companies create enduring fanship with customers, talk about customer experience and brainstorm how we can take these concepts and apply them to veterinary medicine. I am pumped for this workshop. I think you do not want to miss it. It is free to our Uncharted members and it is $99 if you are not currently an Uncharted member. So head over to the website now. Don't miss your chance to sign up. I want to see you there next Wednesday night. And now back to the podcast. All right. We, you said in the first half, Stephanie, you talked about, you know, having leaders that um, can help you process or are willing to process with you was really important. I, I really like that a lot. If we want to get to the place where we get this negative culture and we're not talking about gossiping, we, we've done episodes on that stuff before, right. uh, but really talking about how do we support people who have legitimate complaints, problems, things they're working through while still co- trying to keep our, um, our, our clinic positive. I, I think there's a number of things that we need to do. First of all, culture comes from the top, yep. you know, and yes. that, that's really it. Our leadership needs to behave in a professional way and communicate in a professional way. Um, it's funny how often the doctors talk to me about, you know, negativity of the staff. And the truth is they're exhibit, they're, you know, yes. showing that behavior. Like right. they, they do it just as much and it trickles down from them. But a, a big part of it is to say, okay, we know that people are going to get frustrated. We know they're going to have problems. We know they're going to be angry. Have you given them appropriate avenues to communicate yes. those frustrations through? Yes. And so if you say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes clients come in and they're horrible and we don't want to feel alone. We, you know, we want support. I think that's totally understandable. Do we have avenues for people who have had those experiences? Do they know that they can come and talk to someone? Do they know that they can go to the head technician and say, hey, I need a minute. This this happened. And and, you know, I'm I'm really upset about it. And, you know, what's funny is the difference in coming and saying this happened. This guy behaved this way and I'm really hurt or I'm really upset about it or I'm really angry 
and I, I, I need a moment. Right. That's an entirely different experience from walking out of the room and going, that guy's this a a-hole <laughs> <Right>. over here. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it, it is. 100%. 100%. It's an entirely different experience. But, but the feelings are the same, and I think you get better support. And the first uh, example yeah. where you say, I'm really hurt by this and I, I need, you know, I, I just, I need a moment. Yeah. Um, I think you get better long-term outcome and support if you go that way. But people, people should know um, if, if the staff feels like a client was abusive to them, do they feel like there's a place they can go? Is there yeah. an open door? Do they know that you can, they can come right into the practice owner's office or the practice or the medical director or the practice manager, you know, or the head CSR? Cause they can come straight to her and say, I want you to come and tell me if this happens, you know, I want you to come and tell me what happened and, 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 and let me support you. But, but do they have appropriate avenues for bringing these things up? Yeah, I love that. And I think that goes to what this, a mailbag letter started with which was like hey this is the thing we're working on and we have uh talked about talked about it and so when i first read it i was like what does talked about it mean because i think that i think that um it could mean hey we said this thing is happening it can't continue to happen full stop and that was the conversation it which feels very different from We've come together as a group and we've talked about, hey, we want to have a code of conduct and we want to have a set of rules that we hold each other accountable to. And we one of those things is we don't we care about each other. And so therefore, we don't want to talk about each other. We also don't want to talk about our clients. And so here's what that looks like. Good and bad. Right. Examples. And also when the situation occurs, to your point, here's what we can do about it instead. Right. That that those two things feel very different. So I'm all in on having a code of conduct. I think it's super, super important. And I think for me, the only way that I've had it truly be successful in my teams has been for the team to be a part of it, because if they're not bought into it, it won't it won't work. It won't be successful. Yeah. And the best way to get them bought in is to have them be a part of that that process. You know, um, our uh, our friend Maria Perita, who works with us and who is magical and amazing, she has an exercise that she uses with teams. And so it's um, it's the high performing team exercise where she would work with her teams and she would say, OK, guys, I want to talk about and I want to list from you guys about what a high performing team looks like what they sound like and what they feel like. And she would have the team make a list of what a high performing, happy Uh team looks like, sounds like, and feels like. And then from them, she would write down the things that they thought that a high performing team would do and say and, and act like and how it would feel to be a part of that. And then once she made the list from them, she would ask them how, how do we achieve this? You know, uh-huh. what are the what are the things that we want to change to do this? But they're creating the vision of what it feels like to be on a great team or have a yes. great place to work. Yeah. And then she, Maria just ties them to their their aspirational goal that they created there together. And I just I've always thought that that was really I thought that that was really good. And so I but I, I completely agree with you as far as like they need to be a part of what this future looks like. Yeah. It also is funny when you say, you know, stop doing this. I know we're talking a lot about kids today. I don't I don't exactly know why. Probably because <laughs> Hannah's here sick and I'm uh, I'm active. I have a glass wall and she's on the other side of it. And I've 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 sealed I've sealed myself. She's beating on the She's You're beating not- on the glass. I, I, go, I'm podcasting. Go, go lay down. Um, 
It's about, uh, <sighs> I was talking a lot about kids, but it's like when you start turning on, you yell at your kids, like, stop fighting. But you don't actually give them a mechanism right. to resolve the complaint, the which is maybe a yeah. genuine problem they right. have. Right. And they don't have the tools to yes. not <laughs> to come to blows. Yes. And you're like, just stop fighting. And yes. they're like, Okay, Dad, but how then shall we resolve the issue of yes. Rourke versus Rourke in the case of the missing hair clip? Right. Yeah, no, it's totally true that we have to give our kids the tools. We have to teach them the tools. And we also have to give our teams the tools um, it, because we don't like we, these are these are learned things. And we do. We don't often um, we don't focus on it enough. Um, and I love I love the idea of the exercise uh, that you shared for Maria. And I think the other piece of that for me is that I want the team also to define what great looks like and feels like i mm-hmm. want them to define what it doesn't look like and feel like to help us figure out some guardrails and some things that we want to steer away from and then the the last piece of it for me is that they have to be a part of then what does accountability look like because accountability cannot look like yeah me as the manager momming everybody all the time yep. and being doling out the punishments because that's not how that that's not how i want my team to to work i want it to be <laughs> I want it to be something that they're bought into and I want them to be able to solve their own problems. And the only way that you get there is to teach them and give them those tools and equip them to solve those problems themselves. And that is not uh, that is not an easy thing. It's not a one and done conversation. That's a that's a journey. Yeah, I completely agree. And so and so taking exactly what you said, because I agree with every word of it and dialing down more tightly to what we got through the mailbag where they say, you know, it sounds like we've got gossip and stuff under control. But what about these specific circumstances when we need to be negative? I think to you, the way I go with this is it sounds like we've we feel like we've addressed the gossip thing pretty darn well and so yeah. i suspect they and they said they always work on their culture i suspect they've done a lot of these things sure. and so now it's like great you've got the tools and you've taken care of these big pieces now it's time to dial in on these little pieces and the way that i would do that is if it's a consistent enough problem that you're writing to andy and stephanie and saying what do we do about these specific little things what i would say is the tools that got rid of gossip will help you get rid of these things put them under the microscope which means go to your team and say guys I recognize, I recognize that we have we have this tendency or these are the trends. And what I want to do is talk with you guys about how we would handle different circumstances and what it looks like for a high-performing positive team to handle these circumstances. So last week, we had a case where a client behaved this way. Or I would change it up and say, let's just pretend that we have a client who comes in and they do this thing. And it's really awful. Guys, how does a high-performing team handle this? Like, what do we say and how do we say it? And then, and this may sound silly, I promise you there's nothing more powerful than some role play like that to get them to talk about what is a positive way to process this? What is a what is a way to get support or get the help that you need and feel good about it and not resort to the client was mean to me and so I'm going to put meanness out into the void around me. And that's the definition of toxic. Toxicity is that someone is uh, in a bad spot and they radiate this darkness out of them that then infects other people and spreads. That's why it's toxic. And so I, they don't want to be in a toxic place either. And I think that this is a great collaborative way that we can give them the tools they need and say, hey, you know, I've paid attention to times that we've had problems. I'm not going to maybe use those exact problems because I don't want people who were there to feel judged, but I'm going to 
recreate those problems in a different way and then ask the team to break into teams and to figure out what they would say or what they would do or how a high-performing team handles these problems or processes them without turning it into a toxic dump. Yes. Or without allow. And again, I wouldn't put it on them and say, and this is really important, I would not be like, you guys are screwing up and you're making it toxic. I would say instead, you guys are working hard. And I know how much you want to have a really positive place to work. And I feel like we are a really positive team. Yeah. When people bring this negativity into our practice, I want us to talk about how we can handle it so that we don't become that negative team. And yeah. so then we're not doing this because it's punitive. Right. We're not doing this because they messed up and they failed. We're yeah. doing this because I want us to have the tools to handle adversity when it comes to us. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think part of um, I, I agree with everything that you just said, especially the part about making it forward facing and not punitive. Right. Like it's it's disconnected from them because the reality is we all have bad days. Even the sunniest, most positive person sometimes has interactions that really make you feel things. Right. And so for me, it was about talking to the team about, OK, what what does safe space look like? And recognizing that we're all going to have bad days and we're all going to have t- moments where we maybe need some support from each other as a team. And so my team was like, okay, what are our safe spaces within the practice? And so one of the rules that we agreed on as a team was that we needed a way for anybody to take a time out, like no, whatever it was, whether you're having a bad day at home or you're getting super frustrated with a difficult patient or a client or whatever, that there was a way for us to recognize, hey, I need a time out. And then we define what are those safe spaces in the practice like can we go for a go for a walk like go and we had a backyard mm-hmm. uh in in the clinic and so that outside was a great safe space uh we also had a team bathroom that was in a, a part of the building this is going to sound crazy but we had a team bathroom <laughs> that was in a part of the building that the clients didn't access and so we kind of made it into um half rage room half positive uh, space so we had all of these like um memes and positive quotes that the team had brought and stuck up on the wall like things that made them happy and then that was also like the dark room that you could just go in there and scream if you needed to scream into the void for a minute um (laughs) look it worked for us (laughs) it's not going to work for every practice uh, but it worked for us and then the the third space was the office space and so it was the the conversation was look my my door is always open except when it's closed, but <laughs> it is always open and it is a safe space. And you can come in here, you can just sit and have a moment. You can say, hey, I just need to, I like, I need five minutes to myself. Totally yeah. fine. I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to keep working. You also can come in and say, I'm feeling feels and I need to talk, but I like, I, I need to process it. And so my golden rule for the team was you can come in my office and you can say whatever it is that you need to say you're going to have to deal with it. And I'm going to ask you what your plan is for making it actionable before you walk out the door. You don't get to just come in and, and go off without there being a forward facing, what is the plan and how are we going to deal with this? And so if you were not ready to get to that stage where you could talk about it with somebody else, maybe the, (laughs) maybe going and screaming into the void was a good choice or going and taking a walk out in the backyard. Um, But it allowed everybody to be met where they were in that moment, right? Because we created the safety as a team to say, okay, I'm going to take it. I need to take a time out. Um, And so I think that that's really important, like figuring out as a team, what are those safe spaces? What does it look like? Uh, What is it? And I love I love your example from Maria. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, Mm -hmm. And and making them 
be able to see and recognize this is the expectation. So to your point, when they when a client comes in and somebody is really struggling with the way that they interacted with that client, instead of being like, God, you know, Mrs. Smith was such a jerk in room two. They have the ability to be like, hey, that was a really hard appointment for me. I need to take five. Right. And then yeah. they can go and do with it whatever it is that they need, because sometimes you just need a moment. And sometimes sure. I can go take a moment and I can come back and be like, OK, I'm good now. And other yeah. times I need to go have a moment and be like, hey, this is I actually need help with this because it's more than a moment and I need to and I need to deal with it. Right. And so that is the second part of it for me is is setting the expectation for my honestly for myself of one of my hard and fast personal rules is like I need to deal with the emotion and like let the emotion out in a safe space in a safe way. Um, And then the second piece of that is what do do I need to do with this? And and sometimes the answer is I'm going to let it go. If I'm going to let it go, I'm really going to let it go. And Mm -hmm. I, the accountability pieces for, for me with my, with my bosses was, Hey, if I tell you that I'm choosing to let something go and then I bring it back up again, I need you to hold me accountable and be like, Hey, you told me yesterday you were going to let this go. And now we're having a follow-up conversation about it. This sounds like you need to like do something about it. So I'm holding you accountable. Let's have the conversation about what you're going to do about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so figuring out, are you actually going to let it go or are you going to action it and figure out how do you deal with it? And then if so, like the safe space continues, I will totally help you. We can talk it out. I will role play with you. I will just listen while you talk out loud if that's what you need. Like everybody processes those things differently. But my role as a manager, as a leader in the practice is not to be a therapist. Like I want to give professional support to all of my team to have access to because counseling should be something that everybody on our team can access. And at the same time, my role is to listen, but then I also want to help you grow. And so as a leader, creating that safe space, helping them create that safe space, but also setting the expectations for how do we, how do we deal with it? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a couple good leadership phrases that push people this way. Uh, and I'm just going to warn you, if you use these, people will stop. They'll stop venting to you, which is real good for you. Uh, but if they just take it somewhere else, it cannot be good. But the basic soft things, I agree. To Stephanie's point is like, again, it's about intentionality, right? And so if I assume intentionality on the other person's part and they go, oh, this thing is happening and God, I hate it so much. It it the most productive thing you can do is say to them, how can I support you in this? Or what is your plan for addressing this and going forward? Yep. What are you going to do with this? But the big, like, how can I support you? That's the one that I use a lot is how can I support you? And they'll look at you like you're dumb. And then they'll go, I, I just, no, I was just, I was just, no, I mean, I just wanted to bitch. Just wanted, I was just mad. And you're like, Oh, Okay. Okay, do you, so you don't want to take action on this. And I, I'm really honestly not trying to say this in a jerk way. I'm not doing it in a right. condescending way. But generally, the real truth is if you come and you tell me that something is terrible, my honest re- question to you is, okay, how can I support you? Yep. What can we do to either uh, correct this or, or try to address the situation or at least to make you feel like you can accept the situation and go on in a good place? Right. What is our plan? Yep. You know, it's that uh, it's that can can we can we change it or can we accept it? Um, those those are sort of our, our, our options. Um, and so anyway, I put that stuff forward. I, I think the, the last thing I want to 
make uh, clear here is I think you already, you already pointed out pretty well, but when I do the role play and things like that, I really do like making this forward facing about what are we going to do in the future? Yeah. How would, how can we handle this? What should we do? Not about what we should have done last week or right. how we didn't handle it well. Right. And the reason I say that one is that's just a good growth mindset position. But number two, <laughs> how many times have you been angry and then your spouse criticizes you because you're angry. And how did that go? You know what I mean? Like, it's like when, when you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like rage cleaning the kitchen. And my wife is like, look, if you don't stop banging those dishes around, they're going to break. And I'm like, I'm rage cleaning and you're critiquing my rage cleaning. And it's, terrible and so all that to say giving feedback to someone who's having an angry negative response uh, is something you should do at your at your own at yeah. your own peril um it's much much easier to do things that are forward facing and encouraging about where we're going and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm joking but but you know if if people continue to have these reactions we're we like we're definitely gonna have to talk about them like we're gonna yeah. have to give feedback and we're gonna have to coach them out of that but yeah. it's a whole lot nicer to try to give them the tools in a forward facing way not in a hey you got really angry and that was the wrong thing to do and now i'm gonna make you embarrassed about the thing that you did when or said when you were angry i'd like to avoid that if possible yeah um i think the last thing for me is just sharing like one of the most impactful um rules honestly for code of conduct for with my team that i ever learned and i learned it at my my very first practice but you know uh there's the golden rule of do unto others right but but for us the golden rule really became um take it to the person who can do something about it yeah i like that and what that meant was different things in different times. But when it came to gossiping or it came to, you know, talking about other people, um, when it came to negativity, because we had that rule, it enabled us to listen. Because, look, if I if I am mad at Maria and I'm having a conversation with you, Andy, about how I'm mad at Maria, if we have the rule to take it to the person who can do something about it, me talking to you about Maria does nothing because you can't do anything about that the situation you weren't there you weren't a part of it right you can help me you can listen to me you can ask me what my plan is mm -hmm. but you ultimately can't solve the problem and right. so part of that rule was hey look i can't do anything about this i can help you practice this conversation but ultimately like you need to go have that conversation with maria because the, the two of you are the only ones who can work this out and it applies with clients it applies with uh you know the t the team it, it applies with our bosses and so setting that role and then really deciding as a team, who are those people on the team? And it's going to look different for everybody, but this goes back to your defining, defining what the expectation is, right? Like who are those people on the team that are going to, uh, you know, shoot you straight, who are going to help you identify what is happening in the situation, who are going to help you brainstorm ideas, and then who are going to ask you what the next move is to encourage you to go back and talk to that other person who can actually do something about it. And as a leader, a lot of the times you have positional power. And so sometimes talking to your manager, your floor lead, your, you know, your practice manager, whatever the, whatever the situation is, sometimes talking to your leader 
is still talking to the person who could do something about it. Because maybe you've already had that conversation. Maybe Maria and I have been beefing and I have had that conversation with her and I'm like, look, hey, I don't like the way you're talking to me. And it's really hurtful to me when you use this tone of voice. Can you, can you, can we figure out how to make our communications go better? Because this is not feeling good for me, right? Maybe I've had that conversation with her, Mm -hmm. but it's continuing to happen. And now there's that kind of toxicity happening between the two of us. If I have had that conversation once, twice, three times, then it makes sense that I would say, hey, Andy, I've had this conversation with Maria three times. And just today, this was another situation that occurred. I'm at the point where I need help because I don't know what to do next. I've already tried talking to her as the person who can do something about it. It's not working. I need your help, right? So it still allows them the space to go to someone who maybe can do something about the about it. But that, that golden rule... Uh, made the biggest impact for me in in, in t- probably in my entire career in terms of team communication and how we eliminate a lot of the talking about each other, the gossiping, the um, you know, the the negativity because it wasn't it was something that we all came up with as a team. Um, someone suggested it, and but we all got on board and bought into it, and then we bought into what does that look like accountability wise, and it made the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I love that. I think that's great. Um, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? No, I think this is uh, now that we're at the end of it. Do you see why I thought this would be a fun one? <laughs> it is. It is a fun one. It is a fun one. I um, yeah, it is a fun one. I, again, I I'm not saying that people shouldn't get mad. We're human beings, yeah. and we do get mad. I really do think that there might be a a problem with the idea that everyone has to get negative yes. and angry in yeah. public and so we should give them an outlet for that i i think that we need to figure out what the intention is and what people need and give them avenues to get what they need yep. uh, so that that sort of negativity out into the team is is not is not necessary so anyway i think that that's how i think this has been a really it's been a really interesting one for me i want to know after people listen to this episode like what are the sa- like what is what is the safe space what does the timeout look like in your practice i cannot be the only practice who, who had the rage room like i have peers who have uh giant coloring things up on the wall and you need to take a timeout and go color right like i'm super curious what are people doing to give their teams that outlet because there are times where we all just need to take a timeout whether it's someone on the team is frustrating us or there's bad client interaction. And like, I think creating that safe space is really important. And I'm super curious. Uh, I always love when we get messages after the fact. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Ooh, this is what we do in your practice. I I would love to hear from you in the mailbag. Cause I think that's a, I think that's a fun part of making our practices unique. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We truly enjoy spending part of our week with you. As always, Andy and I enjoyed getting into this topic. Um, I have a tiny little favor to ask, actually two of them. One is if you can go to wherever you source your podcasts from and hit the review button and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback and knowing what you think of the podcast. And number two, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.